If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Happy Fantastical Tuesday. It's Ozzy Salas here on the Full Court Press 501, your start time for the second hour here on 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Grateful to be having you, joining along wherever and however you are, as long as you can stream us on 106.9thefan.com as well. Don't forget if you many of our, miss any of our past episodes or any bonus content, such as Scabby Bobcats postgame or even Craig Smith or Utah State football or basketball pressers, interviews that we've had with uh, past guests as well, you can find that on our podcast platform. You can find that on uh, Stitchers, iTunes, Spotify. Type in Eric's name, my name, or the Full Court Press, and you'll find all the great content that our show has brought out in the past year and a half or so. Hey, a, a rumor's coming across the board. I want to get to some. Eric, by the way, Eric is gone, not dead, alive, but not forgotten. He is actually absent for the rest of the evening out and about, and this is actually good for makeup because uh, I'm gone for the next three days in, in Las Vegas as the Aggies prepare for the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Uh, there's a rumor coming out in the NFL I want to get to, and I'm surprised the, the Fox Sports News update didn't even tease this. Tom Brady is going to be a free agent in March, and teams are saying, well, where is he going to go? Is it the Chargers? Well, what if they get Jordan Love? Is it the Raiders? Is it the Dolphins, the Jets? Is he going to roll in the AFC East and say, you know what? I'm going to go to the AFC East and make the Patriot lives absolutely miserable. Now, I am, as if you all are aware, and if you haven't been you're new to the show, welcome, first of all. But secondly, I am a diehard Patriots fan. Absolutely, positively diehard Patriots fan. Now, that would be heartbreaking if Brady were to go to the Jets or Dolphins. But A, a I don't think Brady's that dumb. If he goes to a team, he's looking for a team that already has uh, substantiated talent, talent that's already built in, talent that's already processed through, uh, and he's looking for elite talent. Some of the Patriots haven't got the guy uh, for how many, like, two years now? I mean, even look at the, the Super Bowl against the Rams. He's drilling in with a, a beat-up Rob Gronkowski and absolutely beat-up Julian Edelman, and that was really about it. They had a good defense, but the offense was eh, so-so. So now Tom Brady says, I want to go to a team with talent or you got to get me talent. Well, last year the Patriots had some talent, but A, Antonio Brown went absolutely psycho. And then B, Josh Gordon couldn't kick an addiction that he had. So he had to step away from the game of football. By the way, he then steps away and then is caught with another uh, substance abuse problem. So there's that. What about Tom Brady to the San Francisco 49ers? In return, Jimmy Garoppolo goes to New England. Now, there's a whole bunch of storylines to it, and if you're not familiar to the NFL, here's why. Jimmy Garoppolo was Tom Brady's backup for, like, what, four years? And so much that when Tom Brady was suffering that four-game suspension, Jimmy Garoppolo came in and had two, actually, two-and-a-half great games until he got hurt in, uh, in the Dolphins game where he was tackled. And or no, excuse me, against the Bills where he was tackled and injured his shoulder. He was separated. And then Jacoby Brissett came in. He dominated Houston Texans. They won, I think, in a shutout, 27 to nothing. So here's the thing. Garoppolo then, after the year, says, you know what? I want to go play for somebody. Bill Belichick tells Jimmy, says, hey, look, we want you to play for us. Let me see if I can get you a starting spot for us. Problem is, is that Robert Kraft was in love with his son, Tom Brady. 
So Kraft told Belichick, nah, I want to keep Brady for as long as you possibly can have him. He, he deserves it. He's loyal. He's great. He's the best ever. Yada, 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 yada. Bill Belichick's looking into the future and said, Tom Brady's about to turn 50 years old. He's old. He's getting beat up. And he's kind of getting grumpier by the day. I want to move on. So Bill Belichick, to the owner's discretion, says, fine. You know what? Forget it. Screw it. Hey, Niners, you looking for a quarterback? Great. Let me, have, let me give you the best backup quarterback in the NFL. He is, at the time, the best backup quarterback in the NFL. In fact, out of the 32 teams during that year, he would have started on 28 of them. That's how good he was. But Bill Belichick, out of spite and anger towards Robert Kraft, says, you know what, Niners looking for a quarterback? Yeah, we are. Here's Garoppolo. Whoa, 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 wait. What are you looking for? A uh, second-round pick? <laughs> okay, here you go. Here's a pick, here's a player, swap it up, we're done. So what does Jimmy Garoppolo go do? Takes the San Francisco 49ers. The first year he tears his ACL. The second year he comes back, he takes the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl. And at one point is up by 10, 20 to 10, before Mr. I like to screw up of the biggest game in the biggest moment, Mr. Kyle Shanahan just explodes and goes fully loaded Shanahan. Remember, it's the same offensive coordinator that in the 28-3 lead they had over the uh, Patriots in the Super Bowl when he was with the Falcons? This is 20-10, and Garoppolo gets absolutely screwed over by his head coach, Kyle Shanahan, and they lose the Super Bowl. So what if this is the case? What if Brady goes to San Francisco, which, by the way, he has said numerous times he was always a fan of when he was a kid. The catch starring Joe Montana, Dwight Clark versus the Dallas Cowboys in the 81 NFC Championship. Yeah, Brady was there. His family had season tickets. They're diehard Niners fans. And by the way, that's where family lives. Sister, uh, mom and dad, that's where they live. So, what if they were able to make something happen? And Tom Brady went to San Francisco, and, Jim, and Jimmy Garoppolo went to New England. Then I would fire the whole entire 49ers GM staff, every one of them. Because the reality is that Brady is the least of the 49ers' worries. All right, they have a bunch of free agents they steal from, I mean, from this powerhouse squad. They have a bunch of free agents they still need to sign, and they want to keep. They don't have the cap space to keep them all, and they also have two stud players that they need to extend. So the QB situation isn't their biggest issue because there's a lot of other moving bones in the body that need to be surgically repaired and make sure that they are remain, remain in place. And taking a 43-year-old quarterback to come play for you is not... I mean, this isn't Tom Brady in 2010. If it is, this is a dandy of an idea. And it's actually not a bad idea for the New England Patriots if that's the case. If this is 07 Brady, yes. If this is 06, 05, 03, 02, you get the point. It's a great idea. But not with a 43-year-old quarterback whose passing efficiency rating went down this season, whose interceptions went up this season, whose velocity on throws went down this season. Look, again, I'm the biggest Tom Brady fan there is. I love Tom Brady. All right? 
There's two, there's there's three people I love in my wife in, in my life, God, my dog Harley, and Tom Brady. Uh, yeah, let's go that order too. That sounds good. But Tom Brady is not the quarterback he was ten years ago. No duh, you say. Well, then why would the Niners even consist of this trade? Why would they even consider of it? What is the point? Just to bring Brady home? Is that all we're asking about? So then why don't you pick up Brady in free agency if you're the Chargers? And then bring in Jordan Love and let him warm up behind Brady. Let him learn behind Tom Brady. The problem, by the way, with that Jordan Love situation, if they're drafting him, if they're drafting him at sixth in the draft, they're planning on him starting. But if you're the Niners, maybe you do this. Okay, maybe you get Tom Brady if you're the Niners. I guess, I mean, if that's, I mean, this is butt crazy. But you get the uh, Tom Brady free agency for the Niners, and then you ship Jimmy Garoppolo back to New England, but you ask for a higher price. Maybe you get cash consideration for a player that you need to keep. Maybe you get, I don't know, Stephon Gilmore, Julian Edelman. Look, Julian, I mean, what's Julian's attitude going to be when his best friend Tom Brady is going to play for somebody else? Do they say, does Julian say, hey, look, I want to go with Tom. Okay, well, then you give us Tom, we'll give you Jules. It's a horrible idea for New England side now because you're giving up one of the most clutch receivers in the NFL, future Hall of Famer in my book, for one guy. It's not... It's all about what's going to be best for the future of your franchise. Jimmy Garoppolo is the best for the future of the franchise for San Francisco. Why would you even consider a 43-year-old quarterback? It's mind-boggling. But that's, that's what the word is. Anyways, there's there's rumors and buzz, and now Colin Coward saying it's legit. There's a couple other people who are now actually reporting on it, such as Tom Curran of uh, New England Sports and, and others. But I just I, I don't see the upgrade for San Francisco. I don't see the idea why they would do it. Uh, it's uh, amazing, absolutely amazing. In fact, uh, speaking of uh, of that uh, Tom Curran, in fact, here is him. Uh, if would the 49ers take Brady for Garoppolo and why would they consider it? I 100% believe in this. It makes perfect sense. It's something that's always been on. Um, previously, look, Kyle Shanahan's faith in Jimmy Garoppolo, while it might be long-term, okay, I don't think it's over the moon. What's interesting to me, Gary, is the fact that Bill Belichick swaddled up Jimmy, put him on the doorstep, rang the bell, and walked away. If he goes to that door again and says, I'd like a sweetheart deal to get that guy back, I'll take him off your hands, does Kyle Shanahan say no? Believe me, if Tom Brady was available to them and they could make that switch, I believe that they would. Again, it doesn't make any sense at all. There's no sense in it. None. 
get on to some other news and notes, by the way. This one's actually upsetting me more and more the more I think about it. As you heard in the Fox uh, Sports Update here at the top of the hour on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. By the way, I'm Ajay Salison. Eric Franson is gone, not dead, alive, but not forgotten. He will be back tomorrow. I'll be gone Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Gabby, the intern, will be here. So will Adam, the intern. So uh, he'll have plenty of company to serve him as he's away. Uh... The Spurs situation. So, Greg, uh, Coach Popovich is going to be leaving for personal reasons. Tim Duncan has been named as the Spurs head coach for tonight's game. I have a problem with this. Because isn't there someone named Becky Hammond who's considered one of the best assistants in the NBA? Who Coach Popovich has lauded and applauded and raved over Time and time and time again. Why isn't Becky Hammond getting that shot to be the head coach tonight? Now, if you were to ask Becky right now, she'd say, look, I'm doing what's best for the team. I'm here to help coach the team. Whatever the Popovich wants is, is what I'm going to do. She's going to go the old statement political way about it. I, I really do think she's bothered, though, that Tim Duncan was named the head coach. Becky Hammond's been sitting on the sideline for how long waiting for this opportunity? And when it does arise, he decides to go to his power forward of the past. So, and, and, and I, I'm not going the whole male-female thing. I'm not even, I'm not going to dive, dive into the sexism thing because I don't think that's even close to being true. I don't think there's even a, there's not even a part to me that's even true about it. But I really have to ask a serious question of why not Becky Hammond? Uh, I believe it was Eric Allison of the uh, of Dapper Network, which is a, which is a sports podcast. Uh, he came out and he said, you know, it's interesting that, and in fact, Utah State, I guess, would do this on an intent. Uh, but it's the guy who scouted the opponent who would be the head coach. So if Tim Duncan scouted this opponent tonight, then Tim would serve as the head coach. If Becky Hammond scouted the opponent, then it'd be Becky Hammond. So that does make sense to me. I can understand that. I still think Becky should be the head coach, though. I think, I mean, just being the fact that she's been on the bench as long as she has, give her the nod for tonight. See how it goes. What does it feel like? What does it sound like? How do the players respond to her? Timeouts, directions, play calls. Do they respond to her? Now, it's almost like, okay, so it'd almost be like a situation where, and Gabby's been through this before, where your regular teacher's gone, so your substitute's in, and your substitute, and your teacher says, the one that's leaving for a day says, hey, be obedient to the substitute teacher or else you're going to get a roller stick to the right hand or whatever it is now these days with punishment. You're going to go to the principal's office or you're going to have to sit in detention for a month, whatever it is. So then that, that teacher leaves and the substitute comes in and her job is to A, teach the class and two, return a report to the real teacher about what happened. How did the class respond? How did the class act? Now, Gabby's a straight-A student, so it's not a big deal. These players are not straight-A students or straight-A players if you look at their record. So, how do the players respond? Because I can guarantee when the teacher comes back, that being Popovich, 
Hey, look, you know, I, I tried calling this player for this guy. He didn't run it that way. I tried calling the player for this guy. He went to the opposite sky, or, or opposite side. When I tried talking to the bench, this guy was chatting with whoever it was about whatever it was, about whether they're going to have dinner tonight. How's your hotel room? Did you get the room service you wanted? So then Popovich will show up on the next day of class and say, you, you, and you, on the line, suicides for the next hour. We're going to run. And then you're not going to dress the next game. But if that's the case, then let Becky Hammond take control. Give her a chance to prove to the NBA that she is as quality as of a head assistant coach as she has been acclaimed to be by you yourself, Greg Popovich. Give her a chance to tell the NBA, hey, look, you want to hire crap coaches in the NBA and make an absolute joke of yourself. I've got a quality future head coach. Don't look at the fact that she's a female. Throw that out the door because that garbage is done. We're in 2020. Do you understand? It is 2020. Women in the world can accomplish just as much as men can. In fact, if I dare not even say, even in some ways, more. Becky Hammond can accomplish much more with a team like the Spurs then 16 out of the 30, what, one coaches, 32 coaches in the NBA. She's that good. So why not give her the chance to prove that? To build her head coaching resume starting now. She's one of the best on the bench right now in the NBA. It's already been told by not only Coach Popovich, by the way, but 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 been said by others, including players who play for the Spurs, that when she talks, they listen. And again, the question would be, can they do the same thing when it comes to a game and there's a close game and there's a last-second shot and you need to drop a play? Are the players going to listen to her? Last two minutes of a game, they're up by three. She's going to diagram some things, make some strategy. Are the players going to listen to her? That's where it really comes into. But again, with Popovich, with the players knowing Popovich is coming back, absolutely, right? I mean, no doubt. Tim Duncan will uh, be the head coach nonetheless for tonight's game as Greg Popovich is out for personal reasons. All right. Third and final national storyline I want to get through and talk about just a little bit. New York Knicks. I'd rather take a potato pillar to my forehead than be a part of the Knicks organization. I'd rather suffer through three consecutive episodes of The Bachelor than watch the Knicks. I would rather drive myself to Vegas on my own Then watch the bat or then watch the Knicks play. I'd have rather sit through a BYU game with Adam the intern on a mandate than watch the Knicks organization. So here's the situation with Spike Lee. Spike Lee has been going through this employee entrance for the last 28 years, according to Spike Lee. Well, last night, he goes to the employee entry. They try to kick him out and say, no, you can't do that. He wants to know why. They just they don't give him a reason. They say, no, you need to go through the VIP 
entrance. They have a VIP. Imagine this. The Knicks have an employee entrance and a VIP entrance for the celebrities. This doesn't go well with Spike Lee. He gets frustrated. He gets it to his seat anyways, nonetheless, but he's livid after, and so much so he won't be going to Knicks games. This story that he tells in this interview is courtesy of First Take. Listen to this. No one told me. No one told me. No one told me. I'm staying here. Now, you want to arrest me like Charles Oldman? I've been using the same entrance for 28 plus years. The employee's entrance on 33rd Street. Last night, I go in, my ticket gets scanned. I'm in. I walk, you know the elevator. And also, people have their ticket scanned also. And elevator's not moving. And the security guy comes to me and says, we need you to get off the elevator. I said, for what? So we, well, we could speak about it now. I said, I'm not getting out of the elevator. So another five minutes, then they finally send the elevator up because they know I'm not Get out the elevator. Get on the elevator. The garden floor is on the fifth floor. Elevator go up to five, and security's waiting for you like you just ran out of Macy's stealing something. And they said, Mr. Lee, you have to leave Madison Square Garden. They wanted me to leave the garden that out to 33rd Street employers where I came from, walk outside, and come back on 31st Street. Mm. And I said, I'm not doing that. First of all, you scan my ticket. You can't scan a ticket twice. Also, I know that once you leave a sporting arena event, you can't come back in. So I don't trust these guys, so I'm not going for the okey-doke. Also, why are you taking a perp walk? For what? I said, I'm not leaving. Then I, and then they said, we want you to leave the garden. I put my hands behind my back, and I said, arrest me like my brother Charles Oakley. They said, Spike, this is some crazy stuff. If we take you in the elevator, and go up the sixth floor, and outside the garden, go up the sixth floor, we'll walk you to your seat. I said, bet. So at half time, Dolan comes over to me and says, we need to talk. I said, talk about what? We need to talk. I said, Mr. Dolan, I don't want to talk about nothing. I've been coming through this entrance for 28 years. Plus, Wednesday, historic event, the world's most famous arena, Masquerade Garden. They had a Broadway, they took the Killer Mockingbird, mm-hmm. And had performance for 18,000 New York City public kids. Amazing event. Where did I go in? The employee entrance. So if they want to change this whole new policy talk about, and at first they never said when the thing changed. Why not call me? My deposit to do price for Nick tickets, and I'm one day late? My phone is ringing off the hook. If they change the thing, the let policy. me know. I asked Al Palangonia what, uh, what the ticket was. He said 3000 $400 per ticket per game. And, that, and that's uh, 41 totally, home to, games to, every year? Totaling $299,000 for a pair for the year when you add preseason. That's according to so your guy. And the preseason thing is a scam, too. So you're talking about 300 grand a year times almost 30 years when you adjust for inflation. Yeah. So you have given them about what the equivalent of 10 million dollars. You were the only celebrity face mostly associated with the Knicks. Like there was Woody Allen, then there was you, and then it was Jack Nicholson for the Lakers and you for the Knicks. So you also kind of give them free publicity and branding for decades, in addition to the 10 million when you adjust for inflation. 10 million dollars over. My wife's gonna kill me. <laughs> Yeah. Why would they? I, so, so again, uh, you got to ask Dolan. You got to ask Mr. But Dolan. Clearly, you feel it seems to me you correct me if I'm wrong. I'm being the harassed. Fact that they wanted to Hold leave, it. leave the garden. Hold it, Max. You just said you're being harassed. Yes. Are you going back to a Knicks game this year? Not this year. 
Are really? you cons- are you concerned? No, no, I'm coming back next year, but I'm I'm done for the season. I'm done. I've been coming to the garden. My, my seat's court side, 20 plus years. People walk on eggshell to the garden because they know they can be fired in a second. All right, so here's my problem. Well, okay, let, 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 let's be honest and look at both sides with each other, shall we? Spike Lee, as you heard, has paid nearly $10 million in his lifetime to afford seats, courtside seats of the New York Knicks. Courtside seats of the New York Knicks. But because, and again, this is according to him, he is told to go through the VIP entrance instead of the employee entrance, which he's been doing so for 28 years, according to Spike. He lost his mind and was livid. And when he asked why, the Knicks never gave him a good reason. And then New York Knicks Twitter account. Okay, so check this out. The New York Knicks have a, uh, a Twitter account. Uh, you're going to love this too, actually. Let me see if I can uh, find out. They, they, they released a statement. Uh, this sounds like something that a fifth grader would write. Statement from the New York Knicks according to last night's episode. Quote, The idea that Spike Lee is a victim because we have repeatedly asked him to not use our employee entrance and instead use a dedicated VIP entrance, which is used by every other celebrity who enters a garden, is laughable. It's disappointing that Spike would create this false controversy to perpetuate drama. He is welcome to the garden anytime via the VIP or general entrance, just not through our employee entrance, which is what he and Jim agreed to last night when they shook hands. The Knicks then posted a photo of... (laughs) Get this... Spike Lee and Jim Dolan shaking hands that is actually as blurry and uh, grainy of a photo as if it were 1994. Something like it was taken from like a flip phone and said, hey, post it on social media and put it as part of the New York's V uh, PR statement, right? Then Spike Lee came out and said, it's not true. We didn't even discuss that. In fact, as you heard him today on First Take, he says... He came down and asked me if we could talk, and I said, no, I don't want to talk about this. So there was no agreement. So then what is the problem? Why can't, and because, and remember, listen to the phrasing of the PR department. We have repeatedly asked him to not use our employee entrance and instead use a dedicated entrance for all celebrities. But, as you heard in the top of the audio... No one told me! No one told me! No one told me! Nobody told me, he says. Nobody told me. But on the other hand, Spike, 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 look, my man, love your movies. But... Can't you just go back and say, okay, fine, I'll use the celebrity entrance. But he also brings up another valid point. That in this day and age, (laughs) you can't go into an arena. Plus, okay, so they already scanned his ticket once. So it can't be scanned a second time. Two, if you leave in an event of an arena, you cannot come back in. That's the same thing with the Utah Jazz, by the way. They have the exact same rules. If you leave that arena, you cannot come back in. 
You are stuck outside. They warn you before you leave. They say, hey, sir, ma'am, are you leaving? Yes. Okay, if you leave, you cannot come back in. But we're just going to grab a burger. No, 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 no. If you leave, you cannot come back in. You cannot come back in the arena. Now, James Dolan could say, well, we were going to let him back in. Look, at Spike Lee, right? All he has to come back in and say, Kaylin, Spike, why don't you take a security guard with you, drag him, whoever it was told you that, drag him with you, you go back through the VIP entrance, and if they say, well, we can't get, okay, security guard, will you please explain the situation? Yes, this, uh, this gentleman wanted to come to the game. He used the wrong entrance. We're bringing him back to the VIP, according to James Dolan. Great. Here's uh, here's the entrance. Make your way. Go have your seat. Enjoy your night. It is that easy. The problem with this is two things. One, Spike Lee has been a Knicks fan for how long? His whole life. He has spent over $10 million being a fan of the New York Knicks. He has wasted $10 million being a courtside fan for a team that has not won an NBA championship since freaking, I don't know, ever. And you're asking him because of one night... To go out and come back in. Just let him go to his seat and call it a night. And then the next time, say, hey, Spike, just a reminder, we're actually going to have a VIP entrance. I'm sorry we didn't inform you. Will you just start using the VIP entrance for us? Well, why? Just it, It's a new thing that we're doing. If you'll please, after this, just start using the VIP. It's our fault. We didn't tell you, but we'd like you to use it for now on. If he continues to insist that he is not doing that, then, then we have a situation where we say, we're going to ask you to leave. Then you're becoming egotistical. Speaking of egotistical, James Dolan is the worst owner in NBA history. There is not a guy who is as just bitter and vengeful and just dumb, flat-out moronic as James Dolan of the New York Knicks. Mr. Dolan, do yourself a favor. Do the city a favor. Do the Garden a favor, the most historic arena with the historic franchise. Do it a favor and sell the damn team. You are the problem. Not Phil Jackson, not Carmelo Anthony, not Latrell Sprewell, not Charles Oakley, not Spike Lee. You. You are the problem. And if you can't get out of your own way, then it's probably time to step aside, check yourself, and maybe say, you know what, I'm rich enough to retire from my life. Let's give somebody else a chance to do it. But here's the problem. Black Spike, he's egotistical. He's egocentric. And he's an idiot, an absolute idiot cannot get out of his own way. In a night where the Knicks just throttle the Rockets, it was worse than the score said it was, we're talking about Spike Lee not being let into an arena. You're the problem. Fix it. By giving up your job and giving it to somebody else who actually will care about the franchise, care about the players, care about the fans who have paid this insane amount of money to be a fan of your pathetic franchise who has been garbage for the last 10 years. Just me. All right. We ready to talk Utah State basketball? Good. I am too. That's all coming up here on the Full Court Press. 106 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Ajay Salveson here the Full Court Press. 5.35 your time. The Utah State Aggies are getting, for the Mount, getting ready for the Mount West Conference Tournament. Another, again, another big shout-out to the uh, 
Utah State Lady Aggies who went to Vegas and competed. They uh, they beat 60 to San Diego State and then had a 14-point lead against Wyoming at halftime. Saw that lead diminish quickly and fall short to Wyoming uh, by, I believe, 6 was your final score. And so Lady Aggies season comes to an end. It was tumultuous, to say the least, just with the coach quitting. Uh, and then having a new, uh, just having an interim coach, but they still fought through it. They had a couple players leave, significant players, contributors of the Lady Aggies, and they still fought through it and uh, make it to the second round. So really good stuff by them. Now the men get ready for action. They play Thursday night, 7 o'clock Mountain Time. They'll play the winner of San Jose State and New Mexico, which is where Coach starts off with uh, his thoughts on the Mountain West Conference Tournament, and then, of course, getting ready uh, to face either San Jose State or New Mexico and it gives his thoughts on what happens with either matchup. Well, March Madness is upon us um, earlier than normal, but uh, we're sure excited to be a part of it and uh, kind of a culmination of a, a season. And, and um, uh, it's an exciting time. It's a great event in a, in a fantastic venue in a quote-unquote world-class city, I guess, where a lot of people love to come and uh, for entertainment and certainly um, you know our conference tournament hopefully is the centerpiece of that but you know it's uh, we're coming off a tough loss obviously uh, we'll be playing in the first round uh, we'll get the first round by and then play the winner of San Jose in New Mexico and kind of ironic that that those are the last two teams that we had just played so there's certainly a lot of familiarity for for uh, for us and for whomever our opponent is so um, um, but we had uh, coming off a good practice, uh, we're excited to get down there and and, and uh, try to defend our title. Can you just briefly, if it's New Mexico, mm -hmm. what do you have to do better than the last game? Well, if it's New Mexico, certainly we've got to cut down on our turnovers. Um, that was a that was a big problem, certainly that night, and 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 not only just the turnovers, but it led to I believe 12 points of theirs. Uh, we got to finish plays, uh, and and when I say finish. Certainly, it starts with finishing around the basket. The first half, um, I believe we had six or seven literally point-blank shots that, I mean, uh, you shoot them 100 times, you probably make them 100 times, you know, but we missed six or seven of them. And so uh, some of that, I think, maybe they sped us up with their length and athleticism. Um, some of that it has to be concentration. A couple, One of them for sure slipped out of one of our guys' hands. Uh, and then the second half, we missed another three, three for sure. Um, so that... You know, you got to be able to finish those plays, and then you know we get up four. Diogo makes a big uh, three, and uh, the first half we had, uh, I think we gave up seven offensive boards on 13 or 14 missed shots. Second half we um, were much better that way. We only gave up two, but one of them was a big, big one, right? And so, uh, and then you got to give them credit; they made some big shots. You know, I didn't think we shot, we didn't shoot the ball exceptionally well by any stretch, but I thought they made some tough shots. Number 22 for them, or excuse me, number 10 for them, who was shooting 22% from the three, makes goes three for four. Um, I thought their center, Manigal, played very, very well on his senior night, made a couple tough shots right away, hits a three, and he had only made five threes in league play, I think five for 13 going into the game. So you gotta give them credit too. They're, they're a very talented team, we all know this. And, uh, and they made some plays, and, and we didn't make enough of them. Uh, we left a lot of plays out on the floor that night. And then the San Jose, if it's San Jose, you did a really good job against Knight and against their, their shooting in the game yeah. here in Logan. Seneca Knight can really, really get it going, and, and he was coming off a 37-point performance at 
Colorado State, and they have three guys that I believe had scored over 30 points in a game this year. But we were we were outstanding that night. Um, on our senior night, played with a ton of energy, ton of poise. Jumped out what 17-0 or 19-0 to start the game, and kind of never looked back. So either way, there, there's some similarities in how they play. In that they want to get up and down. We got to really guard the ball. Um, uh, we got to rebound well, and then. They both teams kind of make it chaotic on defense, and so we got to handle the ball. And obviously against San Jose, we didn't turn it over, but we certainly did against New Mexico. Being made a uh, third team, third team, uh, and, and then a the defensive team as well. Can you just talk about his rise? I and mean, we talked about Abel Porter. Bean came out of nowhere, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it became this defensive menace. Can you just talk about what it's taken for him to get to where he is now. Well, players, you know, obviously got, they got to put the time in, and he's got tremendous desire and tremendous. Um, he's got this burning um, desire to be a phenomenal basketball player, and it's easy to say that. A lot of guys say they do, but then they, their actions don't back that up, and his actions do back that up, and puts a lot of time in the gym. Um, with coaches, by himself, with uh, uh, student manager, whoever that, whoever he can get to come in and rebound, you know. And sometimes he just comes in on his own. But he's a tough kid. You can't teach. It's hard to teach the toughness he, that he has. I mean, broke his nose this year twice, has his teeth knocked in, doesn't miss a game. Uh, he's had ankle issues all year, and obviously that slowed him down for a little stretch. Um, but now he's back, you know, better than ever, and so. Uh, he's very, very coachable. He wants to be coached. He wants to be held account accountable. And so um, he has all those intangibles along with he's a very talented kid. Like he's, you know, you can't dismiss that. His two-footed pop, his quick twitch, I mean, he just gets off the floor so fast, you know, when he goes to get those rebounds and he just explodes. And that's a hard thing to teach, but he busts his tail in the weight room too. And his explosiveness is certainly a lot greater than it was even a year ago, or certainly greater than it was two years ago when we got hired. So uh, he's the total package that way, but it, the exciting part is um, I think he's got a lot of room to grow still, and that's what I think is very, very exciting for his sake and for all Aggie fans. The, uh, the tournament, you got some new guys coming in this year to be a part of the Mount West Conference tournament. Do you tell them, what do you tell them? as their first experience when everybody's just, you know, upping their game a notch to get a chance to play in the championship? Yeah, I mean, just that everyone, you know, it's always, a, every, it's an exciting time of year. First of all, you can feel it, right? March Madness, although, you know, a week later, there's a lot of teams that are already done. So I think we're the first tournament, right? So, like, it, it maybe has a little different feeling because of that. Um, but it's, it's kind of like a clean slate for everybody. And I think you see teams that maybe have been struggling sometimes come out and just like, it's almost like a reset and everyone just comes with a different mentality. And um, it's like a freshness where I think everybody plays their best um, because of that, you know? So, so there's that piece of it. And then you have this, the atmosphere and the adrenaline of like, it's like, if you lose, you're done for most teams there. Right, and there's a finality, and it gives you this little extra adrenaline. And then all these guys have, I'd say most of these guys are growing up with the, um, what's the final four, the the one shining moment, mm -hmm. and you have that thing, and now everything's back to, like you win, you get hot and win four games in four days or three games in three days, and that's a lifelong dream that can become a reality, and it's right in front of you, where what's done is done in the past. 
and it's a whole new start and so everyone plays their best everybody plays their hardest um, sometimes shots don't go in sometimes every shot goes in and uh, and that's the beauty of this um, tournament the conference tournament and then leading into the 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 big dance how do you compare your feeling of your team going in this year as to last year? that's a good question um, you know, last year was different just from the standpoint we clinched the, a share of the regular season title and we had our bye. So we had some time to rest and to maybe tweak some things a little bit. Um, whereas this year it's just almost not rushed, but it feels like we just got done playing and now we're, you know what I mean, and you're preparing for all the, these different things. But, you know, um, I think we're healthy as we were last year. Certainly, we had won seven in a row going into the tournament last year. Um, whereas this year, coming off a loss, you, you get a little bit more like, you know, um, that was a disappointing loss and a tough one. But at the same time, I think we're playing good basketball, and we were playing good basketball last year. Obviously, we're just a little bit of a different team. But, um, you know, San Diego State is playing lights out. There, there's 16, like, well, in New Mexico too. Like there, there's a lot of teams that <laughs> can really come out of this thing. And and I don't know that I felt like that last year. I felt there was probably three or maybe four teams that could win it. Whereas this year, I'm not sure you'd be surprised if almost anybody, you know, wins it. And that's crazy to say when San Diego State's playing. You know, they've only lost <laughs> once all year. I mean, like it's incredible. So, um, but I do think. Um, um, it's a wide open tournament and let the best team win. Coaching your second year here, how have you enjoyed Cash Valley and, and if so, why? Well, I love Cash Valley. My family loves Cash Valley and um, why? The Razor Rides are really fun. Uh, the mountains are great and the weather is phenomenal. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, it's really the total package and when I say that on a personal level, as a father of four and, and my, our 25th anniversary will be coming up in in about five months. Um, so I've been doing this for a long time and a lot of stops. And the people here, um, the people are incredible. Whether you're talking to like or my son's high school or or junior high, and I can go out, or you're just walking around, or you go to a restaurant, people are so amazingly friendly and kind, especially when you win. Um, but it really has been. It's an amazing place to raise a family. Um, there's no crime. The weather is incredible. I love the outdoors. And then professionally speaking, like it's an incredible place to work. Our, ath our athletic department, John Hartwell, does a great job and um, has helped make our job even better. And then just the spirit and atmosphere. I've always wanted to work at a place where basketball like means something to the fans. And, and when you put a good product on the floor, they'll show up and support you. And there's always going to be, through, you know, when you're winning, everyone loves you. When you're losing, there's always going to be some, like, we get that. But, but they show up, they support our team. And to have the spectrum and the spectrum magic and have the fan support and the crowd support that we have this year, that means a lot to me on a personal level um, because I know it means so much to our players. And uh, I've worked on both sides of that where you have a really good team and really good people and nobody shows up. And that can be a little frustrating after some time you know and I don't expect it to happen but I know how much it matters and I know how special that is when you do have it so on a personal level and a professional level um, absolutely love it here can you put into words did you uh, read what's happened these two years for Aggie basketball real quick I mean you don't have to go very long or whatever yeah uh, 
Why are you cutting me off like that, Alan? I mean, what am I? What are you, what are you, what are you trying to say? I don't want you to have. You know what? Um, the journey. The the there's hopefully there's a lot more chapters in the book for this season. Obviously, last year's there's a lot of chapters in that book, and it was a special special um, book. I hope there's a long way to go this year. This year has been a um, a quick year, but also a very long year. Uh, I just felt like this year we've had to deal. We just had to deal with a lot of stuff this year that are, have been out of our control and. And that happens in sports, and that's, but it's an agonizing thing because you know how good you can be. And we just, I feel like we've had to hit restart a lot this year, but that's part of the deal. And so what it's been, I mean, um, at the end of the day, in terms of the wins and losses, last year we're 28 and 7, this year we're 23 and 8. So whatever that is, uh, is that 51 and 15? Um, that's pretty special. We've had some big wins, LSU and, and St. Mary's last year, and um, Florida was very, very difficult, and obviously Nevada. And you know, we can go on down the line um, and get to the NCAA tournament, and hopefully, hopefully we can back that up again. Um, uh, so, be able to, all those wins and losses are great, but to be able to do it with, I think that people that our fan base can be really proud of. Like I know for a fact, last semester we had a 3.11 GPA, which is for sure the highest GPA that Utah State men's basketball has had in the last 10 years, and I don't know if we have the records to go back farther than that. We probably do. We just haven't researched it that farther back than that. But I think we got, and then I just think there's a lot of guys in our program and almost all of them that our fans can back and be proud of and sign off on, if that makes sense, and represents um, the community of Cache Valley in the state of Utah um, in, a, in a first class fashion. And so it's been exciting, but hopefully the Hopefully there's a, lot of chap there's a lot of chapters in the book that have been written, but hopefully the book is far from complete. All right, we got to take off from there uh, as we get ready for uh, the Mount West Conference Tournament. You can find the rest of the interview. There's only one more question left, but it's a really good question with a really good answer. Uh, you don't want to miss that. So why don't you go ahead and jump on to our podcast where it's already posted. Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. You can just jump onto the Full Court Press, and you'll see Craig Smith's Mount West Conference Tournament presser they're listed for you to listen into its entirety. Or you can jump onto the two uh, Citroen iTunes and listen to the whole entire second hour if you missed any bit of it. We're going to take a break, close up the uh, show for tonight, and get you ready for tomorrow's show here on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Hi everybody, it's Aljay Salas here on the Full Court Press. We're getting ready to wrap up another show for you. Grateful to have had you joining us, however and wherever you've done so. To recap the show for you, we talked about the Mount West Conference Awards. Three Aggies are honored. Sam Merrill is named to the first team. Uh, Namish Keta is named to the second team. Justin Bean's named to the third team. Bean and Keta are both named to the all-defensive team. Malachi Flynn wins defense, or excuse me, player of the year and defensive player of the year. He's the first guy, Mountain West player, uh, to do so in conf- second player in Mountain West Conference to do so in its history. He's the first since Luke Neville uh, did it in 2008 and 09 of the Utah running Utes. Uh, Utah State gets ready for their conference tournament uh, play to start. They play Thursday night, 7 o'clock Mountain Time, 6 o'clock pregame with Al Lewis uh, on 610 AM KVNU. And postgame will be immediately following after starting John Russell and Al Lewis. They'll be there available to take your phone calls and share your thoughts on hopefully what we want to be an Aggie win and then get you ready for semifinal action. The semifinal game will be at 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time. 
The, and then the championship game, if the Utah State Aggies do get there and whomever they face, will be at 3 o'clock, or I believe, yeah, 3 o'clock Mountain Time. So you get 2 o'clock pregame with Al Lewis, and then, of course, John Russell and Al Lewis will get you ready for postgame. And we hope you're talking about NCAA tournament bid. Do the Aggies get in if they get to the championship game and lose? That will be the question throughout the weekend. How far do the Aggies need to get? If it's me, you got to get to the championship game and nothing less. The semifinal appearance will at least get you an NIT bid at, for the best part of it. I'll be gone Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, Gabby, the intern, and Adam, the intern, will both be here with Eric Franson Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to help you cover all the latest that's going on in the worldwide of sports and in Utah State basketball and Mountain West Conference tournament action. For Eric Franson, Gab of the Intern, I'm Ajay Salveson. You've been listening to the Full Court Press. Have a great night, everybody. Attention job seekers. If you're looking for competitive wages, benefits, and much more, West Liberty Foods is now hiring full-time positions.